Hope. Hope sings to me in the grass. Hope springs out of my grasp. Where is hope? Clasp the compass, pass the parcel. Every night hope sings away the pain. Every night hope sings never again. It whispers to me in the trees of future delights mixed with past failures and the present's presence. Pressed down hopers, doped on love, detoxed, not foxed in rabbit holes. We dream of love. Above us we hear footsteps like thunderbolts. Under the rumble of thunder we stumble but there's no finish line. Where is hope? Hope lies screaming. We must pay for it, revile it, revive it. Thirteen times we try, we cry for it. Hope, hope, release me into hope. Its soft bed will hug my lonely bones, heated by love and now cooling in the aftercold. We were told hope existed in a fairy tale. We failed to find it, to see it, to taste it. Hope is a pearl, but I'm a girl who has wasted pearls on swine. And now these rainbow shells are empty. I'm looking for hope in poppy fields where the swaying grass hides the bones of the betrayed. I dig them out barehanded, bandstanded, unplanned, unmapped, hopeless territory. Looking for hope, my thoughts are winged messengers with clipped wings. Flashes of gold and yellow tell me hope is near, like buried treasure. Down the rabbit hole, past lives swathe us, lined with fur. Hope. It warms us in Wonderland. It melts the ice cream on our salty tongues. Something about me hates to excavate. It's a trait of self-loathing. Spring clothing doesn't suit me. It yellows the skin like nicotine, 13. I'm a decorated bottle stopper of hope, a glass bird. I've smashed my wings. Hope sparkles light the way for seconds for second timers, easy rhymers over the edge. Hope is an electric shock in this storm, submerged under a watery sky of trees, our only friends. Stand up, stand up in hope. Now I look to the ground for hope in a skyless world where clouds hide from me. Standing on the edge, edgy, hope has rough edges and I don't... I daren't look down to see if it can see me. Hope is watching me in the long grass. It whispers to me in the sweet green night. It bewitches me with its sweet smell. I'm hunting it out, but which way? I'm waiting for love. I'm waiting for home. I'm waiting for hope. Alice Smith, extract from 
the end of Alice in the Wilderness 2016. Episode 12, our final episode of the 361, and this is called Who Are You Now? So the 361 is based on a spiral, and that's our logo. So 360 is a circle, isn't it? And the 361 offers you the idea that we can go in a 360 circle for the rest of our lives with addiction or with all sorts of behaviours, or we can choose to step out and make that one step out, which becomes 361. And if you imagine a spiral, that means that we could revisit things in our life, not in the addictive way, in the addictive cycle, which is very, very predictable, isn't it? But from a higher level, more understanding. So week one was, who are you? And it's quite possible, after you've listened to this, to actually go back and listen again, listen to week one. So we're asking, who are you now? How have you evolved since you started listening to the course? And of course, I could keep going through the course as well because I'm learning all the time. I'm a practitioner, not a teacher now. So that means that I learn alongside you and I keep coming round, but I've broken the pattern of addiction with this and it's my hope that you will too. So who are you now? Do you really know? And in our final episode, we're talking about ancestry. Who have you come from? Land, city, and, and what's in your genes? It can be really important to look back for recovery and also just for your soul, really. And then we're looking ahead to when we ourselves become ancestors. So think about this, we're the seventh in 14 generations. Think of it like that and your mind may explode. When it stops exploding, think that you've come from seven generations. There's more than that, but we can't bear to think any further back, can we? And we only ever know about two. And we probably only meet two. And think of yourself in the middle of the seventh generation of 14 so think about those next seven generations to come and now put yourself in the world right now, where it is now. So what's your legacy? What kind of ancestor are you going to be? So we look at legacy as well today and we look at building a vision. And 361 is all about building a vision that you leave, building something that you leave for the next generations. It's not about accumulating to survive and making money on this. Although that's great if you want to do that, there's nothing wrong with that. But our focus on 361 is pushing that idea further of being an ancestor and being an ancestor that someone else could be proud of. So we'll be looking at vision and there's lots of poetry too. If you're interested more in this ancestry and, and what's really influenced me in um, the things I'm saying about legacy, please check out Stephen Jenkinson, Orphan Wisdom. So here we are. Are you ready? Who are you now? Brave New World I want to be a tight-lipped girl who clips at the keyboard because I don't want that downward slide to my shoes. Their eyes licking my coat and grooming, missing my smile because it isn't worth a thing here to the corporate suited and booted. I sing in the wrong low key since I've flown free and I've been trodden in, not trodden on, but still, I smell like shit here. October 2016, applying for a job with unbrushed hair as I face reposition. Or even repossession. Alice Smith. Let me ask you a question. Are you a traveller or a tourist? Are you a traveller or a tourist in your own life? I've been a tourist, dear listener, for most of my life until middle age. That's often when we begin to change, hopefully. But I know plenty of young travellers, especially the millennials, 
So how can you tell? Well, tourists party a lot, they travel a lot. They don't care about climate change or carbon footprint. They litter the beaches and they throw disposable nappies away. They use those little plastic bags to pick up dog poo and then throw them onto bushes where they'll never biodegrade because there is no man who picks up dog poo in a forest job. They spend, they drink, they smoke, they shop for stuff, they shop for more stuff. Likes, wants, buys. No gap in between these desires. Hates history, no links to ancestors. Expects to somehow live forever. Hates signs of ageing sticks to a surface level of understanding about how anything works, feels entitled to a good holiday life of comfort, consumes endlessly without considering the consequences. Does this sound familiar? What about a traveller? Are you a traveller? Do you want to be? A traveller respects the community she lives in, listens and learns, mixes with a wide range of people but belongs to no group. That's important. Cares about climate change, recycles. On a search for wisdom and respects all ages. Learns from young and old. Respects all gender identities, values, own mental health. Always learning from every situation. Feels a sense of their own mortality, wants to leave a legacy. Willing to take on an elder role. A role model and focuses on learning in order to share it. So, are you a traveller or a tourist? A tourist doesn't ever think of the place she's visited once she comes home. The beach was there for her, she leaves her stuff littered on it and she returns home and plans another holiday based around her own oral stimulation. Yes, I did just say that. The beach exists for her pleasure. The world exists for her pleasure. A tourist has no real commitment. She wants to be entertained because she's on holiday permanently. Okay, what about a traveller? Well, a traveller knows that she is not important to the land she's visiting. However, while she's there, she will use the time she has been given to learn about the way they do things. This may be different to hers and that's okay. The traveller realises that she's only here for a short time and that doesn't make her a pleasure seeker. It makes her a legacy maker. If her time really is short, then she better get working to create something she can leave for others. Her own special sandcastle. So which one are you? And why does it matter in recovery? Well, recovery is about moving from tourist to traveller because recovery is all about perspective. The world doesn't just exist for us. People do not just exist for our benefit. We have a responsibility to them and to the world. In some ways, recovery is about reclaiming our sense of responsibility as we reconnect with the world following trauma or bereavement. And this reconnection can save us. It can be really important to our mental health. So, dear listener, find the traveller in you. The road less travelled. Locked in or locked out. The mountains call to us and comfort us with strange, trapped abandon. Top heavy, they stoop to pick us up. But how high do we want to go? Flying is fear. Far better to stay here in your shadows. If we look out over them, we can see ourselves. Our futures are smaller than our pasts here. Everything costs here, yet death is near. And out there is the other. Smothered by mountains, we feel the comfort of a child. Our wild side needs boundaries as high as the hills. Bigger enemies, bigger pills to swallow. We'll go up and bond, then we'll go down, my friend, not beyond. Because that would threaten what we know, and God loves a triad, the Bible tells me so. So lace up your boots to make a change. 
don't change the route. Shoot up, shoot down from the ledge, and we'll say we travelled on the edge of life, but when all is said and done, looking back, we've travelled more in our head, and that, my friend, that has made all the difference. August 2016, I Smith with apologies to Robert Frost. Hold on to the ground. Slipping down a muddy path in a forest, I felt scared. There was nothing to hold on to and I didn't want to fall. More specifically, I didn't want to get covered in mud. Son number two shouted, hold on to the ground. I did. I got my hands muddy, but I also got down that muddy hill, fairly sure of foot. This seems to me good advice for our recovery. Hold on to the ground. When you are about to fail and fall, the judge rules against you. The social workers are around. The bailiffs are at the front door. Hold on to the ground. <clears throat> when he tells you he's leaving you. When you see his new girlfriend. When he packs up his stuff and walks out of the door. When your child cries for his father. Hold on to the ground. When you can't meet the mortgage payment alone. When you go on a first date after a divorce. When the bank won't increase your overdraft. Hold on to the ground. When you see your house up for sale, when you get the prognosis, when you're sitting by your father's bed, hold on to the ground, when you return to work, when there is an empty chair next to you at parents' evening, when there is no one to call late at night, hold on to the ground, when you decide to stay single, when you go for an interview, when you move for the fifth time when you really want a whiskey. Recovery is easier when we hold on to the ground. Recovery is slippy and messy, and after loss we may change more than our hairstyle. That's an outward sign of an inward change, a major one. Loss creates further loss, like a domino effect. When we divorce, we may then sell our homes, change jobs and try dating. When someone dies, we may move house, we may feel the ripples like an earthquake in our lives. Hold on to the ground. Here's a grounding activity for you. Make a list of all the activities that ground you. Here are some of mine. Walk in nature. Stroke the dog, write. Walk on a beach, walk near water. Light candles, music, bath or shower. Certain smells, watching a fire sitting and thinking on my own so what are yours list them try them out regularly check that list and take off what you've done and don't stop until you've built them into your daily routine and they're part of every single day of your life we need to hold onto the ground as we slide down that muddy recovery hill find the one sure step on the way the 361 So we are at the end of the 361 Recovery Programme. We're in episode 12, Who Are You Now? And I'm joined by a special guest again this week, Samantha B. Hi, Samantha. Hi, Alice. How are you doing today? All good, all good. How are you? Great. Yes, fab. And uh, thank you for joining us. And um, You've been through the 361 Recovery Programme now. We've just finished, haven't we? So how was it for you, Samantha, as they say in films? <laughs> I really enjoyed the programme completely from start to finish. I was quite sad it was over. Um, and yeah, it was a really positive experience for me. So I'm glad to hear that. So we've got listeners that are listening in. They're not sure whether to come and join in. They've, they've enjoyed it on the podcast and they've contacted us from the podcast and said, would like to do it. 
Um, so really, we're talking to them uh, this week, aren't we? Um, so how can it help them? How, how, what positive things are there? For, I know you can't speak for them, but for yourself, what were the positive things you brought out? Yeah, so without giving too much away, because obviously we don't want to spoil any uh, surprises, but I think it's really impactful to have lived experiences within the group. So obviously this is a programme for survivors, made by survivors. So that in itself is um, very, for me, it felt very empathic. I felt there's a lot of empathy there. Um, and there's lots of new tools. And also within the group, there was lots of sharing of ideas, which I think is really powerful too. So, so far, so good. It, it sounds like, you know, other groups that, well, I'm not a group person, I've got to tell you, you may have discovered that over the programme. I'm not somebody who actually likes groups that much. So, um, and there's probably listeners who are thinking, oh gosh, especially with Zoom, you know, thinking, oh, I don't want to be in a Zoom group or I do and I don't. So, um, yeah, what? how did you come at it from that? What's different about it? Because is it just, you know, is it just more of the same no, I think that's a really good point. I'm not a massive group person either. Um, and also sort of, especially with domestic violence for myself personally, I wore a mask a lot. And I felt within the group, I was able to take my mask off. So it's a place that I felt safe. And I think that's so important. Um, so going into it, I was quite nervous, actually. Uh, but literally by week two, I started to relax. Um, I really look forward to the sessions. I think it's really great to have the podcast that run, you know, alongside that as well, because um, there's always nuggets of information in there that I take away from those two. And I think that whole camaraderie, that feeling of lifting of other, others that are in similar situations or have been through similar situations, because everybody in the group was in different stages. I think that's really helpful. Yes, they were, weren't they? Because, of course, you know, this was a pilot um project so we were going through it for the first time and testing it on um on our group and so yeah that that struck me as the facilitator that um we and it was actually quite tricky to deliver with um people at various stages um and I think yeah I wanted to come on to that really so so who would it suit? Because it's billed as a, as a stage three recovery programme. And I've, I've created it to say it's not going to be delivered in a refuge when you're making sure your children are safe, you're making sure you've got a roof over your head. And I think it could run alongside counselling um, with as long as the counselling is pretty secure. Um, so what, what's your take on that? Who would it suit and who perhaps wouldn't it suit? I think, yeah, that's, a, again, a really good point, Alice. I think that if you're at the beginning of your journey, as in just leaving and, and securing a safe space, um, maybe it's not that timing, would not necessarily be the right timing. But saying that, it depends on the individual. Um, and also, if you are going through a counselling process, again, you need to be mindful of opening wounds um, and coming in, I felt very safe in the 361 programme that, you know, if you needed to come off uh, Zoom, the camera, and you needed to take some time out, there was the space to do that. There wasn't pressure to stay on. If there was a trigger, a topic that may trigger you, that you could take yourself away for five, 10 minutes. And there was always that space to do that. So um, when is a good time? That's a really, it's one of those questions, isn't it? it who knows? Because everybody will be impacted differently. So is there a right time? Hmm, good question. I think only the person would know that by, by, by joining. Yeah, and because it's free, I mean, if people are a bit reticent, then they could, they could join and see how it goes because I'm not going to be, you know, I'm a big girl. I'm not going to cry if people say, it's not for me right now or ever. <laughs> um, you know, it's, I'm not that precious with it. And so, and I actually respect people who, who say that, who say, not for me at the moment, not in the right place. Um, so, so if you have joy, enjoyed the podcasts, the chances are, because a lot, a lot of the activities are in the podcast, the chances are that, that you're going to enjoy this. But I don't know whether enjoy is the right word, actually. It's not 100% enjoyable. Um, I don't think any recovery is. But um, what sort of commitment does it take of you in terms of time? That's the other thing I think people would want to know. Yeah, 
I, you know, I'm all about a daily practice. You know, that's something now that I found really empowering for me personally. So I think without giving too much away on the tools, you need to give yourself, especially some time in the morning, um, probably be about 30 minutes. And then I think on reflection, at least an hour following um, your podcast or the next day where you can sit and do some reflection work, because let's face it, this is about growth. And the only way that you are going to grow is by putting some work in. So if you just think I'm just going to tune in on a Thursday and just, you know, spend that time or whichever day it is, ours was a Thursday, take that time out just for yourself. I think then you're not going to get the maximum benefit out of the program. You need to also put some time aside to do some work on yourself because that's what this is all about. It's about working on yourself. Yeah, that's true. And I designed it sort of like as a kind of, um, you know, when you, you ever went to a posh place and there was a cheese board, it's a bit like that. So you've got all these different types of cheeses. And I would say that this is going to upset some people. It depends how you learn and it depends what expectations you bring into a group. So if you bring expectations into a group that the teacher teaches and you learn, this is going to really unsettle you. But I'd still say do it. It's just going to challenge you to your core about what you expect from a group. But here's me laying out all the different cheeses, not saying that any of those cheeses are better than the other and saying, try them and take whichever you want. I think that's quite bold, but it can be a bit unsettling, can't it, to have all that laid out for you and you it's up to you which bits that you follow. Did you find that? Yeah, but I love cheese anyway, but by the by. <laughs> I think I can't get this cheese board out of my head now. Um, I, I just think, you know, when you think about it, it's like any kind of recovery program. You have to think of what works for you personally. And there is so much content in 361. There is so much content that there's going to be something for everybody. So thinking back on my experience personally I you know I'm a qualified coach I'm a qualified there's many things that I've got in my toolbox I still learned an awful lot and I, I still walked away with tools so I think that in itself is really empowering for me personally and yes there's going to be times when you feel uncomfortable but isn't that what recovery is you know um, you're healing yeah that's that's right and I I personally I've just been through my notes because I've been the, teaching the three courses the pages the recovery and the sober at the same time and I've made notes and I've actually just been going through my own notes for an hour about what I came up with for myself because there's no way I'm going to teach this as if I know everything from some high place and I think um, I think people appreciate that and I've I've actually come through with some big targets for myself from the exercises that I devised how about that so I take that to be a success I don't want to be thinking that it's a course where the leader leads and everyone else follows kissing their feet because uh, I wouldn't like that no <laughs> I'm not a big fan for touching <laughs> no and also we are learning every day aren't we because it's it's how we it's that oh, well as you know I always talk about this our dialogue our internal dialogue but I found with um journaling more myself personally that I realized how negative I was talking to myself and I wasn't aware of that before the 361 program I was really honestly beating myself up on a daily basis internally just that voice that negative saboteur when I've started putting it in in paper I started to look back and think wow is that the, the morning pages, which is part of the 361, but not our idea? It's from um, it's Julia Cameron, The Artist's Way. With, are you talking about the morning pages? And can you explain a little bit more about them, please? Yes, of course. I didn't want to. I wasn't, I wasn't sure if you wanted me to give away. <laughs> yeah, because so, yes. it's not mine to give. <laughs> OK, that's great. So the morning pages for me, um, I hadn't heard of before. And it wasn't something I'd, I'd even tried before. I journaled for the last probably decade, but had never done it first thing in the morning. And it was so powerful for me personally, because I realized I wake up in the morning and if I could dump all of that onto pages. So with the morning pages, we write three A4 size pages as before you get out of bed, before you pick up your phone, before you put on the TV, whatever your morning ritual is, before you even brush your teeth or go to the toilet, you literally put pen, to paper and write three sort of like a four sides and what comes out in that 
in those pages, well, for me personally, was unbelievable. Um, sometimes really angry, sometimes really sad. But I, I realized I was so negative about myself, regardless of anybody else. So when I started looking back, which I've only just done because we didn't do through the program very much, did we? We didn't look back at morning pages. No. Um, we went forwards. I looked back after we finished the program and I really was impacted by how negative I was talking to myself. So what I've taken from that is how I was able to get that out on paper rather than it staying internally inside my mind. Because as we know, 95% is subconsciously working. The 5% is only what we're doing. So all of that negativity was able to be put to one side and I could get on with my day, which I found really powerful. Yeah, thanks, Samantha. And I know a lot of people have taken it on. If you want to uh, Google it, people, it's the artist way, Julia Cameron. Um, and it literally is how Samantha described. And I've done the artist way three times now. Uh, you buy the book, it's about a tenner, and you you do this 12-week course. I suppose it's influenced the 361 a lot. It's for, it's called Artist's Recovery, to recover your inner artist. And, and, and it sounds, it's much more grounded, honestly, and realistic than that. It's not artifacty at all. And um, I've been doing uh, the morning pages for three and a half years now. So when I when I wake up and do them now, it, it's like a solid friend. It, it's so just before you go, Samantha, obviously, it's not all doom and gloom on this course. So let's share uh, the funniest thing that happened to us. And mine's quite dark humor. So it was November the 5th and I was attempting to be all that as the facilitator. And just as it started, all these fireworks and rockets went off and I had my head in my hands and my eyes were literally wobbling from side to side as I had the PTSD attack with the <laughs> with the rockets and you know it's part funny and like I just feel a little bit embarrassed about it but I think I'm gonna put that as my my funniest in inverted commas moment <laughs> what about you well firstly I can really relate to that firstly because also being a PTSD sufferer and also Friday well that's my birthday so how do I get away from that but yeah, I remember that really well, and that sticks in my mind. But uh, a funny thing is um, when we do the dates, so we date with ourselves. And one of the things I did, I share when I need to feel like to reground myself to anchor, I go outside and literally take my shoes and socks off, put my feet on earth, and I grow roots, which sounds crazy, but it works for me. And I remember doing it, videoing it, and then not realizing my neighbors were all watching me do it. <laughs> so. And they must have thought she's definitely lost it. She's lost it. <laughs> <laughs> we all need moments in that, like that in our life. Well, thanks for thanks for coming and sharing that, uh, Samantha, with us. Anytime. Bye for now. Take care, Alice. Okay, this just came out. I know I say that a lot, but sometimes it's not true. But this actually just did come out this afternoon, November 2020. My heart is on fire and the heart burns last. Life is a liar, but death has never let me down. Naming me before life got busy with shaming me. My heart is on fire and the heart burns last and it burns bright, not fast. This is one final slow burn. I'm no phoenix in this giant's nightlight. I even fan the flames. I've eaten the shames unevenly. Now, passion is my prize. Well, I like that line, but I don't even know what it means, and I wrote it. My heart is on fire, and the heart burns last, with the courage of my god and goddess. Less envy, and less hate, less all that's been thrown at me. I own my life in this blaze, and the furnace roars below the sun's orange haze tonight. Tonight, this day. I close my eyes. I cast around for a golden memory. It flies up slowly. That one burning ember memory. A gift to the sky. 
Alice Smith, November 2020. Vision. So part of the 361 right at the end, we actually sit together and we our future, not in a hippie trippy way, but actually in more of a business way. So we write a vision statement and I'm going to tell you how to do it. So do you have a dream of building something but no way of getting there? There is always a way. I'm going to share with you how I put my vision down into words. It's great to have a big dream and I have lots of them. Ultimately, I want to change the world. And I wrote this blog before the virus hit, but now I want to jump on that change. We now have the time to sit and think how to build whilst we sit and wait. So join me. What do you want to build? I just need to tell you here that over my life, I've built, I've had several businesses. I had a stage school called Ruby Slippers about 15 years ago when I came out of teaching and then I went back in and I built up a stage school. It was really good fun. And I've got a tuition business now, which I built from scratch. And also when I wrote and toured my shows, I produced them and actually had a cast and we went to Brighton Fringe and then we did a run in Edinburgh. And so from literally just being a terrified, traumatised woman, um, reading a poem in a scruffy old cafe in Birmingham, uh, I, I went to an Edinburgh Fringe show now, that is some vision. That really is. So maybe I've given you the qualifications that you'll listen to to me. Maybe not, but, you know, I'm sure you will. <laughs> so, so let me tell you, not how I did it, but how you can do it. So even I know that change can only happen in bite-sized chunks. The world can't handle too much change at once, you know, and yet here it is. This is how I started to think. I knew I wanted to help survivors and I'd successfully shared my work in the theatre and at conferences for three years as goddess education. But the problem was back then, everyone loved the name and the pictures, but when it came to explaining what I did, I ended up just saying, it's just me. This didn't impress funding bodies or influencers. So what, I hear them say as they walked off. So in 2020, my primary motivation changed. No longer focused on making money and a name for myself, I wanted to change the world and make it that little bit fairer before I exited. And for me, it became all about creating a legacy and that's where I've had the best success with that focus. So, hmm, could I offer that to you as a good focus? You see, it stops you being the centre of it because you're building something that you won't be there to see if you get my drift. And that takes away the ego that you're building something with you in the middle of it. You're going to give this away, this thing that you built. Can you do it? That's what I'm going to do with 361. I was feeling really frustrated at my lack of ability to explain my own vision though and I hired a business mentor and he explained the process to me and I wrote it in 20 minutes and this is the process but if you can scrape together the money, I really recommend hiring a business mentor and get in touch. I'll tell you who mine is. Oh, it's amazing because really, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it just, it's great. So here's the activity. Goal setting business vision statement. Here's how you create yours. Sit somewhere quiet. Close your eyes and see your venture idea business self in five years time. So before you press pause, you're going to fill in the details. What does it look like? What will you be doing? I don't think you can say who with at this point. So take five minutes to do this and focus. Okay. Pause, jot down what you saw in detail. Now, write out the principles, values, mission behind your idea. 
So this will take a bit of time. It'll be over a few weeks. But your principles are things like set principles like men and women are equal. You know, gay, uh, LGBT are equal. Um, everybody deserves a home. They're the principles. And then your values are your core values. Um, knit back to week one. There's an activity on there. These are your own values. So for me, it's kindness, truth, education. And then the mission behind your idea. Who does it benefit? What on earth are you trying to do? And why is it needed in the world right now? That should be an easy one. So all of that takes time. Don't rush it. But finally, after a few weeks and a few brainstorms, from those notes, take three main goals. And that becomes your vision statement. So here's one of mine for 361. To provide emotional education for survivors. That's an example of a good goal. So as an optional extra, if this is a business idea, create and describe your perfect client. And finally, for each goal, set actions and here's my example. So the goal is to provide emotional education for survivors. Actions, this is going to make you feel tired, but I've done it all this year. Set up a company limited by guarantee. Seek lottery funding, tick. Network to access contacts, tick. Set up a meeting, tick. Pilot 361 pages, tick. So when you do all the actions, this is when you realise just how much work goes into achieving your vision. It's great to have a vision, but even better to know that you're working towards it. And don't think of it as labouring to meet targets. Think of it as birthing a fantastic idea that you will leave to change other people's lives when you're gone. Now, listeners, that's living the dream. Have you ever thought about your ancestry? It's a bit of a buzzword, isn't it? But I've found personally that ancestry and my search for ancestry has helped me in my own recovery. Roots. Finding out about our ancestors is important as we get older. It gives us a wider view of not only our own traits and quirks, talents and weaknesses, but also our wider family. In recovery, it can help us to see patterns of addiction and abuse as well as commitment, mental health, whether we come from city or land and our attitudes to money. Why is ancestry so important? Well, it provides us with more understanding about how we work and our place in our community. And if we're, are we in our community that we started out in? I mean, what's our past? Is there a disconnect? I think community becomes much more important to us in middle age as we think about finding a role in that community, whether it's a governor, a magistrate, a volunteer leader. Surely in middle age, we should be thinking less about accumulating to survive and more about how to share all those life lessons. And there was many, weren't there? Some of us will decide to retire and move abroad, but this is sometimes a mistake. Other times our health cuts short our dreams, but sometimes it works just fine. For most of us though, community becomes more important as we think about taking on leadership or role modelling within our local area. If we've reached middle age and we're not thinking of giving back, then why not? With a sense of our own mortality comes a sense of our legacy, and this involves our ancestry. Addiction, abuse, mental health and poverty are in my ancestry. This information has not so much let me off the hook as allowed me to understand my failures. Do you know if the same things run through yours? We are a mixture of all our close ancestors, but it seems to be a lottery as to who gets what. Cancer, long life, good eyesight, brains, looks. As we find out more about our roots, we often find some darker elements. After all, 
Who's perfect? We also have to take responsibility for addiction. Many of my family are addicted to alcohol on both sides. Tough luck, Alice. But this doesn't mean that I have to drink. It does mean, though, that I have to fight my nature not to drink. But doesn't every recovering alcoholic? Here's a 361 activity for you. Find out about your ancestry. Can you see any patterns? How far back can you go? Ancestry isn't just your great grandparents. It's where you came from originally. And it's the traumas in your ancestry that you can carry. But you can actually clear the patterns as well. That's for another time and another podcast. So how can you apply the information you learn to help you in your recovery process? Finding old photographs and displaying them is really great. I do this a lot and I also visit the graves of my ancestors. There is um, obviously a theory that if you feed the ancestors and you honour and respect their memory, it can only be a good thing. We can feel their power and who doesn't want to be remembered? If we role model this to the people coming after us, then maybe, who knows, they may remember us. About it. bites. It bites this life, this age, these scars, this heart, this late, late start. It bites. This memory hold like knitting, knit one, pearl one. Drop stitches flitting through my mind. Yes, we are handstands, but we have trembling hands because it bites this fight or flight of frenzy in the midnight hour, sour hearts with trims made of teardrops, drop our hems for fear of further betrayal, scale ourselves down to miniature figures because it bites this bigger life. The wind is colder now, I'm older and I'm facing the end of something I didn't know I'd started, tired, jumpstart hearted and full of fear my face betrays me it's the year of redesign a return to childhood with beating fingers we are bringers of doom to the addiction room 101 one-offs cut from special cloth our unmatched hearts were patched up partly with lovers kisses but now now i don't miss it that dance to ruin because It bites, this history, this lack of mystery, this truth, this hurt, this lack of saying no, this white lie, this endless why. I came from the sea and to the sea I will return. Don't look back. November 2016, Alice Smith. sorted. A blue sky day lit by grey cloud promises held tight by the wind. This sort of day ages us in stages. We pick out clouds with our cold fingers in seasons of mixed up shiny blue over a barren ground topped with the deserted, sparkling over the smashed halos of strangers, streaming over the broken mornings that broke my spirit. A blue sky year infected with a vulnerability dimmed by the light. The sort of year that ages us in stages. Years of tear-stained spinning minutes, skidding over a pile of fallen memories, staring with a penetrating veneration for the guilty, shaking your faith in soulful creatures we are all searching for. A blue sky day spun by the big hands of the universe, showing us our place on the wheel of fortune. 
the sort of life that ages us in stages. But a blue sky day shows and slows each stage, stopping the light from taking all our dreams, slicing into our what will become of me's, starting our heart when the frost has smothered it, spooning into our mouths sugary spoonfuls of hope. Oh wow, what a poem written with severe PTSD. Who says mental health? Oh, mental health drives creativity. Alice Smith, December 2014. Transformation is something that I know quite a lot about after a very painful process of transformation. It wasn't transforming myself. I don't believe we can transform ourselves. I want you to think about it more as evolution. And the less we do and the more we surrender to the process, the more we can transform and evolve. So it's often compared to a caterpillar moving into a butterfly but that caterpillar doesn't know that it's going to become a butterfly and for the caterpillar to actually become a butterfly the caterpillar actually eats its own heart and in the chrysalis it changes shape it doesn't think I'm going to change shape to be a butterfly the process changes the caterpillar to a butterfly So 361 challenges you to think of your own personal transformation as something that you don't control, you allow to happen. Just like if you have a vision, 361 challenges you not to drive that vision with a work ethic that makes you tired, but to let the vision evolve. This means that a true visionary doesn't drive their vision to rise up into a hierarchy where they're above everyone else. No, a true visionary allows their vision to expand. Now think of that in your transformation. Think of Alice in the house as she got bigger and she couldn't fit in the house anymore. That's what it's like from caterpillar to butterfly. In some ways, the less you do with your transformation and just allow it to happen, the more beautiful a butterfly you're going to be. Transformation is something I know something about. And with the 361 Recovery Programme, you're challenged to move out of your 360 circle and take the first step, the 361, the first step out of the cycles of behaviour that you've been round like a hamster's wheel. And that is transformation. The reason why 361 has a spiral, a fossil ring as a logo is because life, think of life like a spiral. Instead of thinking it as linear from caterpillar to butterfly, think of it more as the spiral, a spiral staircase or the spiral of a fossil. And in this way, transformation becomes something, a journey that you keep revisiting things. And you see them from different angles. So if you're walking around a spiral staircase as you go up, you're actually in the same place, but you're higher up and you get a higher view on your life. So try and think of transformation as a spiral. It's not our job to get from A to B, from birth to death, from caterpillar to butterfly as quickly as possible. We don't have a job. If we allow ourselves to transform at nature's pace we will even can't even imagine what our life's going to be like that's the point but we'll have a view from above and we'll be able to see all our mistakes make sense of them forgive ourselves and forgive others and that forgiveness unlocks and unleashes our personal freedom and our personal transformation into who we were born to be. So every week I tell you the story behind a poem and some weeks I think I've forgotten but this week I want to talk to you about this poem called Hope. It was the very end, the last poem of the second stage show 
which each stage show was an hour, although the third one was an hour and a half. And so it had the stage shows had um they were in full theatres with casts and they had multimedia films, music, burlesque, um different various different things. They were called a dark theatrical trip by one critic, which I really liked. I think they lightened up as they went along, though. And this was bang in the second one called Alice in the Wilderness. They were my recovery in real time. So it was written and performed just after I had my house repossessed. And I did feel in the wilderness. I did find somewhere to live. And I set about writing this. And it's the final end. So for some reason, I decided to wear this Tina Turner wig and my friend, who was a designer, created a gold leather bikini for me. But I think it probably wasn't age appropriate and it didn't do anything for this burgeoning midlife spread that I was getting. But still, I don't think I had that much awareness. So uh, I had a huge um, feather and poppy wreath and I came on, marched on and told everyone I was a warrior. And people like the look, but it makes me feel cringy, to be honest. So if you can imagine me like that, and I'm all Alice, Alice the Warrior, wow, bang in the middle of the three plays, bang in the middle of my life, but in the wilderness. And I suppose since then, the wilderness has come into full view and full conversation in our conversations about COVID and our David Attenborough's film, you know, saying there's only 35% of the wilderness left. So, but I'm talking about a personal wilderness. And I think in any recovery, we have wilderness years when we're wandering around. Um, mine were three solid years, possibly five, wandering around, dusty boots, waiting for buses, getting into um, scrapes and dangerous situations. My boots were falling apart, no money for food, that kind of wilderness and these wildernesses, they strip you down, you know. And I wrote this poem, I think it was before I left my repossessed home. And this was a very huge house made of wood in the middle of a forest. And I think you can tell in there the hope whispers to me in the sweet grass. It whispers to me in the sweet green night because at night we were just surrounded by trees. We were in the middle of a 20 mile forest and it was a very high three-storey house and I used to write up at the top and so all I could hear was the trees swishing round and I think that comes across in hope whispers to me in the sweet grass I like this poem because I think it's starting to show a really great imagery that wasn't always there before and of course it, it has the first burst the first shoots of hope and a friend said to me write something on hope and this came out and it's five and a half minutes so a long one to learn and we put lots of actions to it like I found this big box and I brought things out of the box so there was like a fairy tale dress where it says that we believed in fairy tales and a glass stopper bird that was because I had um actually had a bottle with a bird on the top um and so and then it says streaks of blue and silver or something like that. Um, tell me hope is near. So we had all this tinselly stuff coming out. And so I never really did find hope. And I think at that point, I mean, in 2016, and I still don't know how I feel about the word hope, but I do know that it's interesting that at the end I say I'm waiting for home and then I'm waiting for hope. And I think this poem, more than any other one, illustrates to me that we have to write about hope and we have to speak out hope when we have no hope. Hope. Hope sings to me in the grass. Hope springs out of my grasp, where is hope? Clasp the compass, pass the parcel. Every night hope sings away the pain. Every night hope sings never again. 
It whispers to me in the trees of future delights mixed with past failures and the present's presence. Pressed down hopers, doped on love, detoxed, not foxed in rabbit holes. We dream of love. Above us we hear footsteps like thunderbolts. Under the rumble of thunder we stumble but there's no finish line. Where is hope? Hope lies screaming. We must pay for it, revile it, revive it. Thirteen times we try, we cry for it. Hope. Hope. Release me into hope. Its soft bed will hug my lonely bones, heated by love and now cooling in the aftercold. We were told hope existed in a fairy tale. We failed to find it, to see it, to taste it. Hope is a pearl, but I'm a girl who has wasted pearls on swine. And now these rainbow shells are empty. I'm looking for hope in poppy fields where the swaying grass hides the bones of the betrayed. I dig them out barehanded, bandstanded, unplanned, unmapped, hopeless territory. Looking for hope, my thoughts are winged messengers with clipped wings. Flashes of gold and yellow tell me hope is near, like buried treasure. Down the rabbit hole, past lives swathe us, lined with fur. Hope. It warms us in Wonderland. It melts the ice cream on our salty tongues. Something about me hates to excavate. It's a trait of self-loathing. Spring clothing doesn't suit me. It yellows the skin like nicotine, 13. I'm a decorated bottle stopper of hope, a glass bird. I've smashed my wings. Hope sparkles light the way for seconds for second timers, easy rhymers over the edge. Hope is an electric shock in this storm, submerged under a watery sky of trees, our only friends. Stand up, stand up in hope. Now I look to the ground for hope in a skyless world where clouds hide from me. Standing on the edge, edgy, hope has rough edges and I don't... I daren't look down to see if it can see me. Hope is watching me in the long grass. It whispers to me in the sweet green night. It bewitches me with its sweet smell. I'm hunting it out, but which way? I'm waiting for love. I'm waiting for home. I'm waiting for hope. Alice Smith, extract from the end of Alice in the Wilderness 2016. If you've enjoyed the 361 Recovery Programme, please tell your friends and why not join us for our new group where we go through the programme 
and it will be starting on the 21st of January. It's free and we are an award-winning, innovative peer support programme for women survivors and in 2022 that will be for male survivors too. So we'd love to hear from you if you'd like a place on our programme and please share this podcast, please share the series, it's all free, please send it out to as many people as possible so it can help people think, help people learn and help people recover. More at 361lifesupport.co.uk and I'm Alice Smith signing off. Who are you? Are you some victim? Or are you a survivor? Are you both? Or are you neither? Who are you? What lies beyond? You know, I just don't, I was going to swear then, I don't BS myself. (laughs) And, you know, coming along with the sobriety of four years, nearly four years, not not quite. Oh, I don't want to jinx myself. Sorry, it's not four years yet. Um. Oh, I'm going to edit that bit out. <laughs> right, let's just leave a moment. <laughs> oh.